1077 The Franchise is your flagship for Oklahoma sports. So we decided to launch a podcast with the very best names in Oklahoma sports media to cover it. When they said no, we called in some interns. Thank goodness John changed his mind before we did something stupid. This is Inside OU with John Hoover on the Franchise Podcast Network. Everybody, welcome to another edition of the Inside OU Podcast, the Big 12 Championship edition of the Inside OU Podcast. That sounds so great to me, Mr. John Hoover. I am joined by John Hoover, and we are actually at the Franchise Studios. John was actually on his way down to Norman for something really cool. This is a first. Yeah. Um, we haven't done a podcast in person for think a few weeks mm-hmm. it's been a minute and we've never done one here at the studio that i can recall have we because it's all the way out on britain and it's 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 in damn near edmund <laughs> i strangely enough i was in edmund today okay uh son yes uh so i was at interviews last night getting yeah. the late night stuff with alex grinch and the defensive guys uh last offensive media availability tonight and i'm thinking man what can i how can i pull kind of a twofer here hmm. Franchise not going to put me up in a hotel to stay in Oklahoma City. <laughs> Wait a minute. My son in the dorm room at UCO does not have a roommate. How'd oh, you do a cake stand? So I slept on a really <laughs> crappy mattress last night, a dorm room mattress. Oh. Uh, with two sweet mates who were playing, I don't know, Call of Duty and uh, <laughs> till three in the morning. And uh, it was really tough to get to sleep. So I was going to say, I bet you My get, apologies. I bet you could stay up later than them. If you even like it, just oh, by trying, I'd, 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 by what would you call it? Stay awake under the table. Oh, oh yeah, no, I'd, <laughs> I'd put them to shame. My my son was like, they usually go to bed. I'm like two or three. I said, lightweights. Oh man, that's cool. It's good that you have a son that you can just uh, couch surf with. Yeah, would yeah, come in handy cool. mm-hmm. considering you live in Tulsa. So you- I'll be in Norman tonight yeah. again, getting offensive interviews, and this will be, I think, the second time for me all season that because they do defense on Monday night, offense on Tuesday night. Be cool if they could rotate those. That yeah. way, I don't get the same five guys every week. Well, I, I can't stay. Important. I'm here for the Lincoln Rally press conference on Monday. I can't stay the night on Monday night. You should let Alex Grinch and know that. And I'm sure I'm going to drive. You should let Grinch know that. Just make it seem like that you only come down from Tulsa to talk to him. <laughs> and maybe he'll idea. be like, you know, I want to give my exclusive sit-down interview with uh, yeah. John Hoover. I've been here uh, 14, uh, 14 Mondays in a row now, Alex. You going to help me out? <laughs> you going to hook me up? Yeah, the uh, the assistant coach who's not on the Frank Broyles shortlist. Hey, I don't know if you saw the story I did at the franchise. I actually okay. I wanted to bring that up. It was, Let's do it because I think he got shorted. Yeah. The turnaround, the statistical achievements of this team, this defense, since last year, when you talk about the Mike Stoops era and the Ruffin-McNeil era, so to speak, ending as it did, uh, you're talking about hundreds and you know 50 points, worst in school history, most points allowed, most first downs allowed, most rushing yards allowed, most passing yards allowed, most everything allowed in the last three years. Every every bad record was either for the defense with either set in 1996, 1997, 2016, 2017 or 2018. Yep. And last year's team beat them all. I know. <laughs> and so this year's team you're thinking, really, come on, how good are they going to be? They were the worst in the country last year. What are they 27th in the country right now? 26. Number 1 in the Big 12 in total defense, number 1 in pass defense? That's ridiculous. So, Alex Grinch not going to Little Rock as part of the Frank Broyles award circuit um i think he got shorted yeah he got shorted for sure i mean i don't know how many how many guys do they typically bring five, on short, five? it's five finalists but because i can't really argue with any of the no, other the, five the guys, joe brady's yeah. gonna win it joe brady's going it's, to win that thing so easily. absolutely it was his like award. when lincoln riley won it when mm-hmm. his first year with OU. i mean everybody knew he was going to win it yep and i can't argue with any of the other 
assistants because they've all done a fantastic job. I mean, even uh, what's his name at Baylor, the defensive coordinator? Phil Snow. Phil Snow. Uh, I mean, Baylor's defense, as great as OU's has been at times this year, but consistently has improved. Yeah. I mean, Baylor's defense is something, I think, special. The Utah D coordinator belongs on there. Mm-hmm. They've got a special defense. Uh, and that, to me, is the Oklahoma's number one. It, Oklahoma beats Baylor. Okay, let's just presume hypothetically for the sake of the argument, Oklahoma beats Baylor. Their number one contention for the college football playoff fourth spot, assuming one, two, and three all win mm-hmm. in their championship games, is Utah. And Utah's defense, guys, is legit. They're, they're really good. So um, he belongs. There's four. It's interesting. There's Joe Brady, who's not an offensive coordinator. Yeah, he's a passing Passing game coordinator yeah. and, and wide receivers coach. And then the other four guys are all D coordinators. And Alex Grinch is not one of them. Did you already see the uh, Texas rumors about Joe Brady? You know that Texas is yeah. probably going to go after Joe Brady. I he's, can't. I he's house shopping I in uh, uh, house Hell shopping. Country. God, <laughs> that was a great tweet by you, uh, Lake Travis. Everybody, <laughs> like, look out for the uh, for sale signs because Joe Brady's going to be looking around, or his wife is. Let I think me that just, was, yeah. Let me just assure you, anybody that's listening, <laughs> the next coach of any program is not house shopping. <laughs> I know. Promise you, his wife is probably not house shopping either, <laughs> right? I mean, that's not going to happen. Um, Brett Dawson, who covers the, he now covers the Lakers and the Clippers um, for the Athletic. He used to cover the Thunder. He told me a really cool story, really funny story, actually. And it was two years ago when uh, Indiana was looking for a new basketball coach, and the hot rumor was, oh, they're going to go after Billy Donovan, throw like a Brinks truck at him. Yeah. He's, you know, clearly Billy Donovan wants to get back into college, right? right? Because who doesn't want to? Who wants to coach Russell Westbrook? And apparently, I think there was some rumor going around on Twitter that uh, him and his wife were, uh, was it house hunting or ranch hunting (laughs) somewhere in Bloomington? And it was funny because at the time, we were at one of Russell Westbrook's Why Not Bowl charity events, and Billy Donovan was right there. And we just kind of all like walked up to him and said, you know, showed him the tweet, and he was just like, ha, ha, ha. But Brett told me the story about, and I can't remember if it was uh, Patino or or Calipari, uh, that had told him, uh, yeah, every time Kentucky's looking for a new basketball coach, you hear these rumors about uh, the coach or the wife are horse ranch hunting. And then whoever it was, Patino or Calipari, none of us have horse ranches. I don't know why those are always a thing around Kentucky, but yeah, like the only the, reason you'd want to go to Kentucky is for all the horses, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Tis the season for um, house hunting. I pretty guess. funny. I can't, yeah, you're right. I can't wait to see all those rumors, but Alex Grinch has just done a phenomenal job with this defense. Um, and we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Um, just think about it for a second. You know, the, the, I talked to Deshaun White yesterday, and he told me that there was a disgusting feeling, disgusted feeling about how they played last year. And he wasn't even one of the guys that played. Yeah. Um, People were, like, screaming for Deshaun White to be on the field. Somebody (laughs) needed to be. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Kenneth Murray talked about, you know, it being a slow process, but he he bought in right away because he trusted Lincoln Riley. Mm. Lincoln Riley calls him up and says, hey, man, you got a minute? I want to talk to you about your new defensive coordinator. Really? We got a new defensive coordinator. Yeah, I hired one today. Oh, cool. Who is it? Okay, first of all, that that doesn't matter because I've already hired him. Second of all, it's Alex Grinch, and he specializes in turnover. You know, the conversation, however it went, and Kenneth Murray, instead of saying, oh, man, I was wanting this guy. I wish you'd, I wish you'd ask me. I wish we could have, you know, talked about some of the candidates. No, he said, whoever you got, coach, I'm all behind. I'm 100% behind. Mm. And then, you know, as he said, there's bumpy spots in the road. When you're when you're when you've got so far to come, 
when you've got so much ground to make up. Guys, I'll reiterate, the number one defense in the Big 12 Conference from the worst pass defense in the country last year, worst, 129th, to number one in the Big 12 Conference. And and it's not really like, you know, splitting hairs. They're number one by a lot. When you talk about just conference games, they are number one by a lot. Now, how did that happen? Alex Grinch. Exactly. Unbelievable. And two things, and one of them is going to be a little bit, it's going to be well past Baylor because it's something I've been thinking about with this defense moving forward into year two with Alex Grinch, year three if you know, OU is fortunate enough to keep him that long. But um, I, it's one other thing, and you might have put this in your story and I just missed it, but it was there like a feeling of like we're still getting disrespect um, from the def- defensive players because no, Alex Grinch wasn't? not after last year. Yeah. It, it, you know, the fact that he was even a semifinalist, I think those guys are like, hey. Oh, okay. You know. Uh, they've ended the last four games with turnovers. Yeah, their, their that, final defensive possession ended with a turnover. Think about that. This defense right now, you, you can look, you can talk to those guys, and you can see it in their eyes, and you can hear it in their voice. They're extremely pleased. No, they're they're pleased, and and they're proud of we, where, how far they've come. And it's something that we've heard even going back to like even before the Texas game. Those guys want to be on the field. I mean, yeah. of course, they want their offense to score, you know, in bunches like they're capable of. But they're excited to go out there and prove. Okay, we're just going to go get the ball back in whatever way, whether it's forcing punts or getting turnovers. And yeah. and as much as people want to say, well, like they're they're not badass turnovers. Like most of these interceptions, they're not badass because they're not necessarily like ball hawking on on receivers or on quarterbacks. This defense had trouble catching balls thrown directly to them for two, three years. So just, I don't care. Catching the ball, turnovers, great. But even past that, I did want to get your thoughts really quick before we get into like what actually applies this week. But I'm wondering if you thought of this as well. Year two, Alex Grinch. Year three, Alex Grinch. Do you think that there's going to be... People are obviously going to expect it's going to be better than the 26 best defense in the country. I don't. I, I would exercise caution because I think there is something something to be said about a, a group of guys that were so disgusted right. with how they performed. Mm-hmm. There's so much more want to in the sum in the spring, the winter, the spring, the summer to get better and to buy into a, a, a new system and into a new voice. I don't know if that want to is going to be there again because they obviously are going to be like springboarding off of we're nearly a top 25 defense. We're just going to be better, right? And I think if they go into next season with that attitude, the talent isn't exactly there yet. And Grinch is going to slowly get his guys in with each passing day, each passing year. But I would exercise caution to OU fans that are just expecting it to be just five times better next year. Do you, like, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, okay, so here's the expectation. Um, I think this is a fairly fair comparison. Uh, that I just told you the worst defenses in school history, 96 and 97. John Blake got fired after the 98 season. You could see some things happening on the 98 team. Then Bob Stoops shows up in 99. Mm-hmm. The defense is suddenly better. They're not great, but they're markedly better. Yeah. Okay. They they lost the lead in some second halves and lost some games. Then 2000 happens because it was the second year that Mike Stoops was there. And what happened, Mike Stoops, Brent Venables, Bob Stoops, the whole crew, Bobby yeah. Jack, all those guys. Back when they were cool. Yeah. Jackie <laughs> Ship, right? I mean, mm-hmm. on and on. So uh, what happens, the defense got a little better, then the coaching changed, then the defense got a little better. 
Then the defense got a lot better because it was suddenly apparent to those guys that were getting beaten down and embarrassed for so many years. The Rocky Kalmuses and the Roy Williams, remember? Yeah, he'd always Rocky would always mention that uh, that road game at A and M when they got beat twenty two to nothing. Yeah. in the rain, he was. I just never wanted to feel that way again. And yeah. That, that that attitude helped springboard the 99 2000 if, defenses without the 2000 without the 98 97 seasons of of ineptitude and 99 the losses the blowing of the you know first half leads and all that stuff without those things that as their foundation mm-hmm. i don't think the 2000 season happens i don't think the 2001 defense which is arguably one of the best in school history is is as good in 2002 is yep. as good in 2003, which backs a little bit, is as good. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to go so, through hell before you get to heaven. There you <laughs> go. Exactly. You're, you know, Steve Miller band or whatever, <laughs> whatever reference that is you just pulled out. That's pretty good. Yeah. I guess it'll be Steve Miller for now. Um, no, like it's just something I've been thinking about because I just, I can already see like the hype, the hype train for the OU team going into 2020. Well, I think they'll be better with no Kenneth Murray. Presumably, he's going to the NFL. He's, no he's, Neville Gallimore. He's, he's, yeah. he's obviously a senior. He's gone. Parnell Motley, one of the highest grading cornerbacks in the country, <laughs> who has become has suddenly had a career renaissance in the last four games. You know, and I always talk about all those guys being gone. Mm-hmm. That's going to hurt. But you're bringing it. Look at the guys that haven't played yet this year. You know, we don't know what they can do, but we've seen their recruiting rankings. We've seen their stars. We've seen the, the schools that offered them. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be good. So hype train, yes. The experience is going to be the problem. Yeah, agreed. But the point is, is that they're supposed to be better next. It's not just like, well, they were good this year, so they were, so we expect them to be better. No, they're supposed to be better next year. Yeah, I mean the defensive line. I mean losing Gallimore, a guy that only has twenty three tackles or so on the year. I mean his his importance is so much more than that. And losing him, that's going to take a minute and. The fact that OU has Army on the schedule next year in the non-conference, they do have a bye week before. <laughs> I mean, that's just something that, I mean, this team you is think going to Neville could come back and play one game, please. <laughs> um, but no, like I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Um, OU does play in their conference championship against Baylor this this week, uh, eleven a.m. Is that eleven a.m. kickoff? It You're is. already projecting like twenty twenty one stuff, man. I, I hey, mine <laughs> is like. You got you got to th- you got to think ahead of the it's college football it's recruiting. You're not going to win a national championship in 2021 if you're um 2020 2020 if yeah. your 2019 freshman quarterback is wrecking himself on a uh, lime scooter. Oh yeah. <laughs> we, we don't need we don't need any of that. Shout out to Boomer or Sooner who did that. Oh my god. Oh man. That was amazing. It happened right in front of me. <laughs> right in front of me. We can get into that story in a minute if you want to. I mean, it was what was worse, that or um, when you ran into a sign on campus? Oh, when I went into the sign, there was blood. Yeah, there's blood. No, there everywhere. was blood, and I had trickling down my head. Yeah, it was awful. You know, this, I did it again like a month later. Really? With no blood this time. But was it like, same exact? Not same <laughs> sign, but same exact scenario where I was looking down and I was walking past a post, and on the post was one of those OU flags, and bam, I was like. I literally have to be the only human on in in the entirety of human existence that has hit my head on the on a on an OU campus sign twice. Well, it sucks to be six foot twelve, John. I mean, you're gonna like a walking hazard here. I mean, if I would have been looking up, it would have knocked my teeth out. <laughs> it's it's like five foot eight. It's like five foot four. Yeah, high off the ground. I'm like, dude, put him up around seven feet. That way, only your postman hit it. <laughs> well, on that note, hopefully OU doesn't hit their head. Saturday in Dallas against Baylor because 
I think anybody thinking, and I, I actually had this thought, so I'll throw myself under the bus. I even thought in a potential OU Baylor rematch, like as soon as OU beat Baylor, mm-hmm. OU beat them in such a way that they just stole their mojo. That if we see Baylor again, yeah. I think that OU will be able to basically do what, continue what they were able to do in the second half. Because, You're talking second half, yeah, not first half. Yeah, because as soon as OU gets a rhythm offensively and they're moving the ball, I think that thought will creep into Baylor's mind and it'll be too much too much to overcome. OU's more talented than they are, yada, yada, yada. But the closer I'm getting to this game, the more I'm thinking, how much of that second half was all OU? How much of it was just unfortunate by Baylor? Because mm-hmm. that, that fumble that happened on their first drive in the second half came after a 25, 30-yard run. Yeah. And if he doesn't fumble, who knows what happens. Baylor, Baylor could very well score, and then yeah. the score is too much to overcome at that point maybe. But. Um, I, I think OU fans thinking that this could potentially just be a continuation of the second half, it, um, a little too, uh, little too fanboyish. My thought on that is that um, Oklahoma is Oklahoma feels really good about its second half. Yep, and they should. Sure, I think Baylor is looking at that with the idea that that's not us. We're going to show them who the real us is. That first half was us. We can't wait to get back and do the things that we did in the first. You know what I mean? They've got yeah. a a mental kind of a a wedge right there, Baylor does, mm-hmm. that that second half is going to fuel them in this game. Well, I think that's entirely likely. And let's not discount Baylor's talent. They've got talent across the offense. Oh, Their wide receiver core is the best in the Big 12. They've got a gutty little quarterback who plays his butt off. You got linebackers that tackle at first yeah. contact. A couple of t- solid, talented running backs. Um, they got a tight end. That's always bad for Oklahoma when the other team has a tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, they're they're just they're monsters on the on the defensive line. Their linebackers are very good, very active. I don't think their DBs are very good, not, unless not the, unless Jalen throws a ball directly to them to from across them, the field. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, because so yeah, I think Baylor's got got kind of a chip on their shoulder, a lot to prove, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think both teams are going to go into this game motivated for obviously different reasons, uh, but and they but, both have a shot at the playoff. Yeah. But the way that I see it, John, and I'm I'm wondering if you feel the same. How would you say Jalen Hurts played against Oklahoma State? Like on all in all facets, passing, running, uh, step, yeah. standing strong in the pocket, just everything that he does. How do you think that he played? I said this on my Locked On Sooners podcast. I think he played exceptionally well because he played within himself. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to be Superman. He didn't try to be Superman. They didn't ask him to be Superman. Uh, Thirteen out of sixteen passing. Yep. Uh, he carried it, what, 22 times? No, 16 times? Yeah, it was Kennedy Brooks had the 22. He had 16 carries. So um, I thought he played great, considering especially the elements. 13 of 16 and the winds are gusting to 40 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I went down there. I was standing on the field the last 10 minutes. My God. How can those... you throw a football in that? Yes. <laughs> uh, how can you kick it through the uprights? How can you punt it from one side of the field to the other? You know, these guys – much respect to both teams for for withstanding those elements and playing like they did. Obviously, mm-hmm. Oklahoma played better, but and pulled away in the fourth quarter. But I thought Jalen was good. I didn't think he was Superman, but that's the, that's what I wanted to get to. That's the point is that he in this game he didn't have to be. He had other guys around him that he actually mm-hmm. maybe matured a little bit as a quarterback and said, "Let's get these other guys the football." Exactly, and I think to someone like you and me that have watched Jalen Hurts all year and we're watching him with like a more fine-tuned perspective than I guess a casual football fan would be watching Bedlam. Because the casual football fan would just say, like, yeah, he played well. There, Here's the thing. If he just plays well to the casual football fan 
against Baylor on Saturday, I think OU should be able to control the game because if you go back to that first half where Baylor might say, that's more who we are, well, guess what? Jalen Hurts gift-wrapped you two touchdowns Mm -hmm. by fumbling the ball, what was it, in the 25 or the 30? Like, the defense had a short field. Mm -hmm. He threw a near pick six um, where he got to the 10 or the 5, somewhere in between the 10 and the 5. Defense had a short field. Defense was playing with a short field the entire first half. And then when they weren't playing with short fields, they were dominating at the line of scrimmage. They were dominating the second and the third level. And so to me, it's just Jalen, don't be Superman. Right. Like be Superman when you have to be. Like it's a third and eight, and you've got to and you take off. But um, I think Baylor it's that had, simple. Baylor had drives of five seconds and seven seconds. Yep, one play drives. And and then in addition to that, he fumbles basically going into the end zone for a touchdown. Exactly. All he has to do is high, clutch that thing high and tight. And you know, and that was early in the third quarter, so who knows how it shakes out after that. Gabe Burkish doesn't get to kick a game-winning field goal and Probably. add to his Lou Groza yeah. uh, resume, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's um, it's been interesting, you know, kind of the progression. When he, You're right, when he plays bad, Oklahoma's um, fortunes are on the line. They're mm-hmm. up, it's like a coin toss. It's up in the air. Yep. And you're wondering how it's going to come down, heads or tails. Mm-hmm. When he plays well, they win the game. So if he just plays well, he doesn't have to play great. He just has to play well. He just has to play not bad. Yeah, and with his fumble issues that he's kind of had throughout the year, most of it has just been because of poor ball security. And you could tell against Oklahoma State, he was putting that extra arm on the ball Mm -hmm. when he was running through traffic. And that's something I've wanted to see out of him all year. Maybe finally yeah. got into his head. After Remarkable. He, game 12. Yeah. Because like the Texas game where he fumbled going into the red zone, um, the TCU games, the Baylor examples, a lot of that was it's just piss poor ball security. And if he just cleans that up, there's always going to be the risk that he tries to throw it into a window that he can't make. I mean, his interceptions have been as a result of trying to throw across the field, yeah. long throws that take time to get there. And he just shouldn't have thrown it there or in the first place. Or just careless throws into, into traffic. Exactly. Yeah. Moving off or jumping off of his back foot mm-hmm. in the red zone against Texas. But to me, that it's just that simple. And I think a lot of that still goes on to Lincoln Riley in terms of how he attacks the game offensively. You've got to – what plays into that for Jalen Hurts is Kennedy Brooks, Ramondre Stevenson, who I want to see more of, run the ball. God, he only t- had two carries the other day and got like 70 yards oh, it, 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 and, it, and should have scored. It gave me flashbacks to when Chris Brown scored that BS touchdown. They put uh, <laughs> OU up 61-41 in the 08 game. Uh, Trey Sermon, a few the last time in Stillwater, he had that mm-hmm. BS touchdown. I mean, it's always fun as an OU fan, but Ramondre got robbed. Who was it, Tyrese Robinson or R.J. Proctor that held? Uh, yeah, I missed that one. No, it was Marquise Hayes because he – I think it was Marquise Hayes because he got his ass chewed out by Lincoln Riley. Did he? Like the last two or three drives, he kept getting holds. I could have swore it was Marquise Hayes, but I might be wrong. You know what? I've got the actual play-by-play right here. The official. It's so official. It's got the Big Twelve logo on it. Um. Hayes, Marquise, Marquise Hayes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lincoln. Uh, so I got a forty-five yard run and then a twenty-four yard run. That should have been a. Oh, no, that was a 24-yard run. I see. Lincoln Riley became intimate with Marquise Hayes on the sideline and not the not the romantic way and like quite an aggressive way. Yeah, I was a little disappointed, actually. I picked Oklahoma State to cover the 12, <laughs> the 13. So, yeah. I mean, I knew the Sooners were going to win. I, my score was 31-30. Well, I was texting you during the third quarter. I was pretty upset. <laughs> um, Lincoln Riley does this thing, and he does it, I think, once a year where he becomes Dr. Air Raid. And I was afraid that he was really buying into the whole, oh, you think well, I'm a wish, 
this is a wishbone team, huh? I'm gonna just throw it and I'll show you. Give Jaylen Maybe that's what Mike Gundy was playing the long game there, trying to get him to yeah, and to it, throw it, it trying looked, to dare him basically. And it looked like that from like the midpoint of the second quarter to about the first drive of the third quarter for OU because they I think they went three and out on their first possession. So many passes. They got down to the red zone in one instance where they ended up kicking a field goal by running the ball, and then they call three straight passes. And I was so angry, and I was texting you the whole time, like, why isn't Kennedy Brooks touching the ball? He's averaging a friggin' first down yeah. every single time he touches the ball. And you're obviously there in the stadium, and I'm watching it on TV, so my feed is obviously slower than what you're seeing in real time. And I can just imagine you're just sitting there going, oh, you're going to like this drive. Because then Kennedy Brooks just went on a, what, 70-yard drive by himself on like four or five carries. It was incredible. You but, what, were you watching it online? No, I was watching it. Um, I was Shout out to uh, the legend, uh, uh, my good friend Dave. He listens to our podcast. He loves it. You actually met him at uh, my, yeah. ta- at my tailgate. Um, we're watching it at his, at his house. I can't remember if he streams or if he has cable. I can't remember. But, okay. But um, – yeah, it's funny. Like every time we tailgate and we've got our satellite out there, um, we hear the stadium roar. Right. Bef- like about ten seconds before um, <laughs> we actually get to see it on TV. Awkward. And we can always, it gives us a chance to like kind of BS <laughs> turn, with each other. Turn and, and watch the game. Yeah. Like, a ten second it, delay. Yeah, it's like wait a minute. But <laughs> doing it for so long, you can tell like that cheer wasn't loud enough. Was that the TCU fans? And in the TCU game, it was a lot of like. Oh my God, he's like running for a sixty-yard game. Why? Why wasn't this cheer louder? Oh, that's why he got the ball stripped. So sometimes it works against us and yes. it gets our hopes up. But um, no, I think with Baylor, obviously they're going to do what they can to force Jalen Hurts to throw, which puts him into position to p- potentially pick up big chunks on the ground anyway. So it's still a pick your poison type deal. But Lincoln really needs to ride Kennedy Brooks or Mondre Stevenson like he's been riding in the last two games. And it would help out Jalen Hurts. It'll open up the passing game for whatever limited uh, amount of passes that he calls. And to me, that's it's that simple. Jalen Hurts, just be ball security guy. Yeah. Make plays when you can. And well, then, oh, you should win. Here's one of the uh, – maybe, maybe. I may be overanalyzing this, but it might be one of the X factors to, toward what you're talking about. James Lynch is a grown-ass man. Yes. He is a hell of a defensive I end. I wish he I picked him as you. my Big 12 defensive player of the year. Since – Eric Swenson got benched at half at the early in the I guess should say second quarter first half at some point of the uh, first half of the game for reasons not that weren't um, considered him getting his ass kicked. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, R.J. Proctor's been playing left tackle, and the Oklahoma offensive line has been markedly better. Yep, uh, especially in, at the point of including that second half against Baylor mm-hmm. when Swenson was just getting overwhelmed, and Proctor came in, and you're thinking. Woo, you know, because he's he struggled too. But Proctor came in and stabilized things at that position. And that issued, a, a, like you said, point of attack, running plays for Kennedy Brooks, fantastic. He's a, he's a I mean, he's a trained guard. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of pulling. But he's they ex- do a lot of co- uh, close combat, you know, at, at the line of scrimmage, at the point of attack. But he's also grown as a pass protector. Mm-hmm. And protecting Jalen Hurts' blind side, uh, keeping that, um, keep keeping his quarterback clean. That has all been massively huge these last two games for two and a half games for Oklahoma. Yeah, and then Creed Humphrey, I think, has really been playing like he's been really playing like a guy that's ready for the NFL. I mean, I, I obviously don't want Creed to leave, but he's really stepped up his game because it hasn't been the most consistent year for Creed. But I think a lot of that is just because of the inconsistency surrounding him. 
mean, he's the center. You can only look so good as an offensive lineman by yourself. Mm-hmm. It has to come down to your guys becoming yeah. a cohesive unit, and they've become one. They're still not where we've been accustomed to seeing Bill Bedenboe offensive lines, but I think they're getting there, and they're peaking at the right time. Right. But, I mean, Baylor's still going to present a lot of challenges, and I think defensively for OU, I mean, did what did Baylor do outside of Charlie Brewer making plays with his legs? What did they really do consistently in that game that gives you pause – for OU going into Saturday because I rewatched the game and like you said they had two one second drive one play drives mm-hmm. right. they had that big play to uh, Mims uh, over Jaden Davis who uh, he got beat that's going to happen Mims is a very talented receiver Baylor's yeah. going to make plays I just didn't see anything outside of the quarterback run game that gives me like oh god I don't know how OU stops that yeah Brewer only had 194 yards passing in that game because he only had the ball like what five to six times in the second half. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. They 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 had they finished the day with fifty two plays, fifty two offensive plays, which kind of started this whole thing of of uh, Oklahoma offensively getting off, uh, staying on the field offensively, hmm. draining the clock. You know, tick 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 tick. Um, and then their defense getting three and outs. That's when Alex Grinch instituted, implemented in the in practices the three and out turnover defense instead of turnover 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 it's hey guys three and outs are good too three and outs are great <laughs> three and outs are great guys and Give so Jalen hurts the ball back please. when they started practicing that in in um you know implementing that kind of philosophy in practice that's when you saw the Oklahoma defense really kind of take off their fortunes change so put those two things together I don't know Mims had 92 yards receiving you know they they got a couple of guys who I, I think they're good players Chris Platt's a good player. R.J. Sneed's a good player. Fleeks is a good player. They just didn't have productivity in that game. I think any one of them can, at any point in time, bust a 60-yard catch. Yeah. And I think Hasty and, and uh, Lovett, the running back, I think both of those guys as well and I, I are think, capable. I think of, good secondaries can give up a 60-yard play. Like, yeah, no doubt. Just because you give up a big play doesn't mean you're trash. Like It's the Big 12. This is the Big 12 championship. Baylor's an incredibly talented team. Mm-hmm. They're going to make plays, but to me it's just – if I'm an OSU fan watching the Bedlam game, it, it's apparent early on in the first half when they do run the GT counter, we have nothing to do. We right, have no answer right. for this. I hope they just don't do this that much. Um, Ohio State, um, a few years ago when OU won, I felt that Urban Meyer went away from the quarterback power. Just run JT Barrett. I don't think Mike Mike's defense can stop that, but he just kept asking JT Barrett to throw, and it was like, yes, yeah. keep doing this. Mm-hmm. So it's it just comes down to – I don't know if I can't remember if there's been anything that Baylor has done this year that I'm like I just don't know unless the defense just take a collective well, I suck pill. Um, one one thing I would say that we're going to see different out of Baylor this this week this game. Uh, Charlie Brewer had 17 carries for 65 yards in that game. A lot of quarterback draws, mm-hmm. a couple of scrambles, but a lot of quarterback draws. They really exploited Oklahoma with that. I think that that play worked. This is this is hard to kind of couch this. It worked to such a degree that the Baylor coaches thought this is working and this is what we need to do. Yeah. They're two running backs who are a couple of 500, 600, 700 yard guys, Hasty and Lovett, had a combined four carries for 47 yards. Hasty had three for 42, Lovett had one for five. And one of them got knocked away because he fumbled and it was a 30 yard right? run. And game. that was a 30 yard run. So, point being, at some point, their Lincoln Riley decided that 
um, decided that uh, Charlie Brewer was their Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And that, hey, this is working. Let's let's keep pounding the quarterback draw. And he's tough, but you don't like, – No. I, I don't want Jalen Hurts to That's hit all the time. That's not his game. Yeah. I don't want – if I'm a Baylor fan, I don't want Charlie Brewer – They got to, away from what they do successfully. So you're saying they lulled them into a false sense of security? Maybe. They, they got down by 25 on purpose is what That's you're saying. It. John, That's it. you're a genius. Yeah. I love it. Alex Grinch is the genius. I'm just figuring out his code. Please don't get down 25 this, this week again. <laughs> I don't I, think a comeback I, I don't is in, get the, drunk. in the cards. I don't want to get that drunk that early. <laughs> early. I've got other work that I have to do later on Saturday. So you got games to watch. Yeah. there's gonna It's going to be a lot. It's, it's college football. It's championship week. It's exciting. You you a fan of the championship games? Oh, yeah. I you're love not like You're not like this should be quarterfinal weekend? No. 16-team playoff? Because – even back in the days when the Pac-10 didn't have a championship game, the Big Ten didn't have a championship game, I remember thinking, like, why don't they? Yeah. It's so silly. Like, it's mm-hmm. so silly that they – sometimes they won't even play, like, in the Big Ten's um, situation. They won't play every single team, and yet one of them gets crowned a champion. It just didn't make sense to me. Um, I'm not saying that the Big 12 does it the right way or the SEC does it the right way now. Big but 12 I, does it the hard way. Big 12 does it the hard way, and it could potentially bite them in the ass this Saturday mm-hmm. because – you, you did say Baylor has a chance to make the playoff, and I think that they do. And I'm going to be really interested to see where the committee throws them tonight because this is a team that jumped four or five spots after in, five two, spots, weeks, yeah. Yeah, in, after in two weeks blowing a 25-point lead at home and beating an average Texas team mm-hmm. like everyone's done all year. So who knows? Maybe they'll finally say, right, this team is good, OU is good, the winner of this game – certainly deserves to go to that number four spot My, unless Georgia loses a close game and that conversation I don't even want to have because that's <laughs> stupid yeah that's that gets tricky my prediction for tonight so we're recording this uh five hours before the four hours before the announcement actually three hours and 15 minutes before the announcement so exact four hours before the press conference begins the conference call my prediction for tonight is that the committee will jump Oklahoma over Utah tonight so they don't have to explain themselves and the controversy that would ensue mm-hmm. when both teams win next week. Yep. Next week meaning Saturday. Mm-hmm. If both teams win Saturday and then you take Oklahoma, Utah beats Oregon, Oklahoma beats Baylor, and then Sunday's rankings you say, well, we're going to um, jump Oklahoma over Baylor. Then you got some explaining to do because Utah just won a really good game against a really good opponent, won a championship. Mm-hmm. If you jump them this week by using the Bedlam game, winning on the road, keep OSU in the rankings at 24, 25, bitter, condi- bitter cold conditions, conference rivalry, all that stuff. Meanwhile, Utah, all they did was beat a 5-7 and seven Colorado team. This week is the week that they gained control the hell out of it, John. They, they, even they though did. it was like seventeen to seven against a poor team. Yeah, the game control. But no, this is the week that you avoid that question and you avoid that controversy. You jump them over that way when both teams, presuming both teams win next week, uh, uh, win Saturday, when the rankings come out on Sunday, that way you don't have to explain anything. You're like, well, they were already number four. <laughs> We didn't. We we just kept them where they were. Yeah, exactly. Both teams won. We just kept them where they were. And I th- I think so. Keep keep in mind. I made that prediction. I actually made that prediction earlier in the week. But uh, that'll Ooh. that'll be what's going to happen tonight. I predict. I'd just be interested to see how the committee would view the differences between Baylor and Oregon. Like, what teams did they honestly? Yeah, it's think? close. Like on a neutral field, who do you think would win, Baylor or Oregon? And I think that for OU's OU's chances to make the playoff, of course, they've got to beat Baylor first for this to even be applicable. But 
if the committee thinks that Baylor is a better team than Oregon, then sure, it's a shoe in at that point. But if they think that Oregon's better than Baylor, I really wonder. You know who would win between Oregon and Baylor? Georgia. Yep. There you go. Georgia. Oh my God. They're not going to put one of those two teams in. If Georgia they, if lost they can to avoid South it. Carolina. <clears throat> Georgia also home. has a bunch of great wins, though. I don't care. They lost to South Carolina. Yeah. When you are splitting hairs, one of the hairs you have to split is, all right, who did you lose to? Who did to? you lose to? Oh, you lost to Kansas State. Yeah, they're average. You Eight lost on the road. You came back. Yeah, okay, that's not terrible. It's not good, but it's not terrible. You lost to South Carolina at yeah. home? I don't think Georgia and OU compare. I do think uh You Utah... can't throw the football forward? Oh, my God. <laughs> Man, what happened to Jake Fromm? You've got amazing skill position guys, and Jake Fromm can't throw it to them unless um, it's sideways. Yikes. So they give a, a an assistant coach award for the best assistant coach of the year. They should give one for the worst because whoever <laughs> coach is coaching Jake Fromm in his junior year, is it? I mean, who coached Landry Jones from his freshman year to his junior senior Josh year, right? Heupel. Right. Yeah. I mean, is is he taking tips from the Josh Heupel camp or something? Uh, That's the sad thing. And Heupel I don't. I'm good, not knocking Josh. I, he was I a good think QB the world of Josh. Great quarterbacks coach. Too much on his plate to be a coordinator that early in his career. Yeah. That early in his career and a quarterbacks coach. His quarterbacks leveled out. His quarterbacks never got better once mm-hmm. he became the coordinator. Yeah, it's Kirby Smart. I mean, I so, think. So yeah, what's going on there in Georgia? Because Fromm, as a freshman, was a freak. And they also had Justin Fields on roster. And they could have very well just – Justin Fields, you are and better Jacob than Eason. Jake Fromm. Jacob Eason came in the next year. I mean, yeah. of, the, of those three guys, Fromm might be the third best one. Yeah, and as hard as it would be, I would assume, as a coach to just go, like, I'm sorry, we're going to start this you know, this younger guy because he's just Kelly better Bryant. than you. Sorry. It's like, that's just the way it is. You did well for us. Thank you for beating OU in that Rose Bowl. Yeah. DJ Ward, why didn't you sack him on that last drive? God. It still makes me angry. Miss. That was a big miss. Still makes me angry. Um, I guess, I mean, for me, with the Baylor game again, it just comes down to Jalen Hurts just not screwing up. And like, what what did you what did you like if you're a Baylor fan? What did you think that of the situations that Baylor would put Jalen Hurts into? Like, again, is are any is, is any of that sustainable, or is it just kind of a snowball of him having making poor decisions? having poor ball security, which are all self-correctable. And if mm-hmm. you self-correct them, again, what defensively defensively did Baylor do to stop OU that day other than, oh, thanks for the football, Jalen? Yeah, no, it was turnovers. It was turnovers, and it was three by Jalen. I mean, it's simple as that. Yep. Um, there's there's no secret. There's no secret sauce. It's not like you got to go back and break down film and say, what were they doing with their three technique right here? Or, you know, when the end was crashing down, what was Oklahoma's response? No, it was all turnovers, and it was all ball security, and it was all – uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, I'll take you back to Jalen Hurts' press conference yesterday, um, post game Saturday, um, last Monday, um, post game the Saturday before. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Breaks down to one word: execute. <laughs> he didn't execute. It's like Russell. the reason he says that every time he gets to the microphone is in his case, it's a hundred percent true. It's all about okay. Lincoln Riley called this play. Now I have to execute this play. It really is. I, I More than we saw out of Baker, more than we saw out of Kyler, those guys could make special plays with their arm. Um, we've seen Jalen make some great throws, really great throws. I, I can think of a half a dozen throws off the top of my head where he made that were just like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. But to throw him into the game plan and say, here's here's a good example. Chuck Long, when he was offensive coordinator, he used to tell me, uh, quarterback has to make five, six plays a game. 
Think about that. 70 plays in a game, 70, 80 plays in a game. Quarterback has to make five or six. Tops. Not like every game, but just tops. That's the top end. Meaning, if he just does what we ask him to do, and then those five or six plays, he doesn't screw it up, we're going to win. Yeah. And that's what Chuck – I mean, Chuck wasn't the only one that said that, but that's just the first person I heard say it. it goes back to him. That is Baker and Kyler, which OU fans have been spoiled by the excellence of those two guys. Those guys made 10, 12, 15, 18 plays a game mm-hmm. because they were special. Jalen, Not that Jalen's not special. It's just that in terms of arm talent – Knowing the offense, knowing the defense, not just knowing the offense, but knowing the defense and where the defense is going mm-hmm. based on what your offense is doing. You can predict where those guys are going to be and what their reaction is going to be based on how you line up. That's something that Jalen doesn't have. And so he has to make five or six plays a game. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is just just don't make a mistake. Yeah. Whether it's just Don't throw, let one of those five or six be yeah, a disaster. Yeah, throw the ball away. Um take I hate when he takes sacks, but I'd rather him take a sack than to take off and then mm-hmm. fumble because he's holding the ball like a loaf of bread. So, yeah, I mean, again, it just comes down to like those five or six plays for Jalen Hurts. But I guess the last thing I wanted to touch on with you, uh, John, are you at all concerned about the lack of C.D. Lamb? And are you at all concerned with – I've seen some clips on Twitter um, basically of him isolated – on the, the body screen, language. The body language. Mm-hmm. From his perspective, I certainly understand it. He was on an absolute NFL tear yeah. from the beginning of the year. Like, not necessarily the beginning, but especially the middle point of the year. He was on an absolute tear. Mm-hmm. And then he misses the Baylor game for whatever official reason. And we've just he's had one touchdown catch against TCU. Outside of that, just a whole lot of nothing. And the OU fan in me thinks, okay, we're like we're primed for a huge CD Lamb game. It's it's going to be in Dallas, the same town that he yeah. had a three touchdown performance mm-hmm. against Texas. I mean, technically it's Arlington, but it's in the same area. Um, I I hope that that's the case, and there's going to be no elements to take away from passing opportunities. It's an indoor environment. Um, I want to see CD Lamb. I want to see Kennedy. I want to see everybody do well. I mean, but I want to see Kennedy Brooks, CD Lamb, Jalen Hurts. If those three guys play well, this is an OU win by double digits. But C.D. Lamb hasn't been that guy right. for whatever reason, so that's why this game might be just a little bit tougher. Yeah, so I can remember going through the games here. Oh, and T.D. had a touchdown or two against Iowa State. I forgot. I can't remember if that was – He had two touchdowns against Iowa State. Yeah. Um. So he had a big game against Texas Tech. He had a big game against South Dakota, his big breakout game for the season. <clears throat> And he had one catch for 39 yards in the little end around, scored two touchdowns mm. against UCLA. And he has seven for 185, scored three times against Texas Tech. And you're thinking, okay, there's CD's back, whatever, whatever's holding him back. Whether it's Jalen Hurts, lack of trust, Lincoln Riley play calling, whatever it was, CD's back. The next game he comes out and he has two catches for 25 yards and a touchdown against Kansas. My wife, who has has been watching the games and is taking to pulling for OU a little bit because Lincoln Riley treats reporters with respect. And she <laughs> likes Lincoln Riley. She thinks he's a great guy. There you go. Okay, these things matter. <laughs> um, she, she, we're we're uh, we're talking uh, as I'm driving home that night from Kansas, and she's like, "Boy, CD Lamb had bad body language on the sideline." I said, "Well, he only caught two passes. He should be angry about something, you know." I just had bad. 
this is not a new thing, is what I'm telling you. Yeah. This is this whole bad body language thing. He is a supremely talented wide receiver who needs to have the football in his hands a lot. And when he doesn't, he is right. He is rightfully agitated to and yeah. and demonstratively expresses it. And I don't have a problem with that. And some of the clips that I've seen of him, like I'll shout out to Keegan Renault. He put out this video clip after the Baylor win, obviously when CD's not playing. Mm-hmm. Um Keegan put out this clip of CD like on the field after after the game it ended and CD was excited like CD was ecstatic and yep. he was like we won don't care you know whatever he whatever he actually said um so he he's a guy who's like Lee Morris on that uh potential touchdown catch against in Bedlam where he caught it slid to the ground he would have just walked in if he was able to keep his feet CD just went right up to him and just kind of hit him on the chest like come on man you're better than that hmm. you know so CD is like the body language has been there, but I think, like you said, like it's just because he knows how good he is. He knows how important he is to this offense. And for OU to go, like CD Lamb has to be a big part of it. It still goes into the team concept. Like if I do well, we're going to do well. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get any touches, we can, we're still talented enough to win and I want to win. But it's a lot easier if you get me the football. Yeah. Hey, they don't have to sweat out a lot of these games down the stretch. <laughs> You know, if he gets if he gets a bunch of catches, uh, Iowa State eight for two for one sixty seven. Now his fumble twice. in that game really opened the door for Iowa State. It did, and it came after he got hit in the head. Yep. So maybe, you know. yeah. Um, but then did not play against Baylor. Two for sixteen against TCU. Four for thirty six against Oklahoma State. Three of those games, they're fighting for their guts out down the stretch. And you know what's he doing? Mm. He's standing over there going, "Dude, throw me the ball." You know, so I could see his frustration. It's the whole Keyshawn Johnson thing. Throw me the damn ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's opening up opportunities. The best for- way for somebody to win the game is for them to get the football to their best players. Mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb is their best player. Why are they not getting him the football? I mean, is it something as simple as defenses? And OSU secondary is, I think, it's their best unit on on their defense. Is it something as simple as just defenses trying to take C.D. Lamb away, or is it more so Jalen Hurst just either not seeing him? Not trusting the ability yeah. to ride the play out to get him the Here's football. The thing. I, I don't think defenses have to do much to take CD away. They have to roll a safety, bracket him a little bit. That's not hard, and it's not that risky. Uh, to take away a team's best player, it's not that risky a gambit. But when Jalen Hurts sees that coverage, he sees that they're putting two on CD, and not it's not always two. It's kind of one and a half, sometimes one and a quarter, sometimes one in a zone. Yeah. When Jalen Hurts gets to the line of scrimmage, maybe he's been told to some point, to some extent, all right, when you see that, just don't try to throw it. Hey, stay away from that. Stay away from stay away from that coverage. Don't don't force it to CD because we've seen what happens when he forces throws. It yep. gets ugly, and he throws, he throws interceptions. So maybe he's just decided, all right, well, if they're going to do that, then I'm going to go over here and I'm going to look for Hazelwood or I'm going to look for Theo Weiss or I'm going to look for Stogner or somebody like that. Yeah, that's could be as simple as that. Yeah, and it's opened up opportunities for all those, all those other guys, and it's just embarrassing how good the perimeter, the skill position guys are at OU. Hey, CD Lamb's going to the NFL after this year. Those guys have got a lot of growing up to do. Yeah, starting with Charleston Rambo. Yes, who has disappeared off the face of the earth. Absolutely, since he let the uh, ball bounce off of his chest. Which I'm glad Nick Basquin got that touchdown pass to Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts because the last time he threw the ball, he threw a really good ball that should have been caught, mm-hmm. and it turned into what probably lost OU that game yeah that interception Kansas State scored and then went into the locker room yeah that ball wasn't that great it wasn't that great it hit him in the damn hands in the chest though it was 
behind him and it was wobbling. And he probably shouldn't have thrown it in the first place. He, he probably shouldn't because that wasn't his first read. Yeah. It was his second read and he had CD standing there going, throw it to me, throw it to me. You know, God, that could have been his Bass second read. like freezing CD Lamb out too. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man. No, and like a Do lot of, need- I think a lot of CD's frustration kind of comes down to um, he's had a lot of instances this year, and I'll even go back to the West Virginia game when the field was a little slick, where he all he's had to do is break one tackle, and he's shown the ability to do yeah. that all year, and he gets tripped up at the last second, and it's just all he sees is like I could have scored on that play. So mm-hmm. there's, it's you're gonna get frustrated and emotional in a game like football. It doesn't mean that I I hate this team. Quit. I quit. Beep. It's not something like that, but. Hey. I, mean, I don't know. Is is CD going to have a medical issue again this Saturday? I, listen, quote unquote. Set the wagon on fire and shoot your arrows into it and run it off the off the cliff. Right. That pick six was not Jalen Hurts' fault against TCU. That CD? was CD Lamb's fault, and it's not his fault that he slipped on that crappy grass, which we've talked about before. It's just one of those things that happens in a game. But that's one of those things you talked about him slipping. In the other game, West Virginia? Yeah. And I'm talking about him slipping here. The schooner also slipped that day. The schooner also went down that day. So, so point being, things happen. You know, pick sixes happen, and sometimes they're nobody's fault. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, there's a reason why he's frustrated. That's one of them. I just – C.D. Lamb's OU career is going to end on a bang, and I think it's probably going to start this Saturday. He's yeah. not going to go out with a whimper. He's too damn good. He yeah. is Julio Jones in college. He's pretty and good. If he has a big day Saturday, he probably played his way into potentially winning the Blitnikoff Award, which would be OU second after D.D. Westbrook a few years ago. Deservingly so. He's been When he's been the best this year, he's been the best receiver in college football and one of the best players in college yeah, football. Yeah, what, 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 what I have a hard time with, and I'm a Blitnikoff voter. The yards. Is you've got. He just went over 1,000 yards. Houston, two for 46. UCLA, one for 39. Kansas, two for 25. West Virginia, three catches for 71 yards. Not bad. Did not play against Baylor. Two for 16 against TCU and four for 36 against Oklahoma State. He's had a lot of 100-yard games, and he's had a lot of big games. He's also had a lot of games where he's done nothing. Well, I'll ask and you. that as a Bolitnikov voter, I look for, and same with the Heisman vote and any other award that I vote in, I look for week-to-week consistent productivity. Mm-hmm. And that's not week-to-week consistent productivity. Who knows what the circumstances are, but when you're a voter and you're looking for those things mm-hmm. and they're not there, you move on to the next guy. Well, I know you're not going to tell me who you're going to vote for on this podcast, but I would just I would just assume like because you have a better perspective of CD Lamb in those early games, like oh you didn't need to four speed CD Lamb. I mean mm-hmm. in in those in those games where you'd have one or two catches, yeah. one of those was a touchdown. Yeah, like the Houston game, he had that big forty yard, fifty yard touchdown. UCLA, he had a thirty yard touchdown catch, and he also had a run. Mm-hmm. Like is does the context matter of they could have very well force fed him and sure. got him the numbers that I would be looking yeah, for. Yeah, but, but I, I don't, I don't award, I don't vote, I don't give my vote to somebody because I think they could have been a big producer or they should have been a big producer. So sometimes I give it to them because they were a big producer. So sometimes, like even like offensive prowess can, I guess, hurt a guy's yeah. individual. I mean, if experts. you're if you're a receiver and you're dependent upon your quarterback to get you the football and you only catch forty five passes for. 830 yards, and you might be the best receiver in the country, you're not going to win the Bolitnikoff. You didn't have a Bolitnikoff award-type season. Mm -hmm. So uh, something else that matters to me on these things is not just did you do it week to week, did you produce every week. It's who you did it against. His biggest games were against South Dakota, Texas Tech, 
Texas, which is really good, obviously. I mean, no matter how bad Texas is, the environment. Texas's defense is terrible. The only but the time, rivalry and the environment and the stage yeah. of that game, ten for seven, one seventy one and three touchdowns is magnificent. He had a good game against Kansas State, one thirty five. He had a good game against Iowa State, one sixty seven. But the last three games, Baylor again did not play best defense in the, they faced all year. TCU second best defense they faced all year, two for sixteen. And then Oklahoma State rivalry game, you only caught four for thirty. So who did you do it against? Is is, is to me just as important as what what all you did. And, and he had some games where he didn't do much against ri- either rivalry games or good defenses or good opponents. And he's got one last chance to do it on. The I'm big not stage. saying I'm not going to vote for him. I'm saying those would be the things that people would say. That's why I'm not voting for. Him. Are you also a Lou Groza voter? Yes. Mm-hmm. Voted Get- for. Uh, I, I can say Jonathan Song. The uh, kicker at uh, TCU was on mm. my list. He was 21 out of 22 or something like that when mm. I cast my vote. What's Gabe Burgers like, 18 of 18? 18 of 18. Yeah. And he's he's actually hit some clutch field goals for yes. OU. His, it, his performance these last two weeks has been very, very good. Just like you said, like with I can't believe these guys are throwing the ball in this environment. I can't believe <laughs> How that. How do you kick Burkish, it from 47 right down the middle? It, that was did, remarkable. Well, because you were at the game. Did you see the, uh, the first kick from the angle that Fox gave us? Uh-uh. Because it was literally hovering over the the goalpost, and that first one that he kicked went, oh my god, it it barely over got the post, in. Yeah, yeah, over the left post. Yeah, I did see that. Yes, that angle gave me a heart attack that I'm still trying to recover. But from. he he also <laughs> kicked it so high and so far that the wind, yeah, from forty whatever three or forty seven whatever it was, you're thinking, and and the wind is blowing. I'm down there on the field, right, the last quarter of the game, the flag is blowing. Um, with the kick, mm-hmm. the, but but if you're down there on the field, there's a it hits Gallagher Iba and swirls back in your face, and that so that kick was into the wind. The uh, Oklahoma State kicker Amendola tried to like a 42 yarder and a, or 40 whatever yarder dropped like right over like inches over the goalpost mm-hmm. into the wind. So yeah. swirling and into the wind and yeah, those kickers, man, especially Ger- uh, Gabe Burkich, just tremendous effort. I mean. Using your logic that you used last year about Austin Kendall being probably the second best quarterback in the country, is Callum Sutherland <laughs> like the best kicker to ever walk the earth? <laughs> He's obviously better than Burkich if he beat him out in the preseason. Good goodness. Yeah. I, I don't know how to explain kicker. that. And you remember uh, OU Media Day way back August 29th? No, uh, uh, was it July 29th, August 1st, something like that? Mm. OU Media Day before it was hot they, that day. Before they reported for practice. I asked Lincoln Riley, I said, you've never been a head coach presiding over a kicking battle, over a kicking competition. What metrics are you going to use? You know, What methodology are you going to use to decide who your kicker is? And he tried his best to explain it. God bless him, he picked the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately for OU, they had a good backup plan B. Yeah, they did. How about that? How about having a, a Groza Award semifinalist as your backup kicker and oh you've never had a lou groza award winner so i mean garrett hartley that year in 2006 he was like 16 to 17 i, th- I thought his thing was he just didn't kick enough but when he was mm-hmm. you know he was 100 percent accurate he was always much. he was always better from distance too and the one do you remember <laughs> the one field goal he missed no it was in oregon when they got blocked ah uh, yes when they jumped off sides and cheated again that's right anyway that's how we'll that's how we'll end this podcast. Oh, I thought anger. we were going to talk about lime scooters. Oh yeah, well, go right ahead. Let's let's do some. Let's do like twenty minutes on lime scooters and the dangers they present. The dangers of lime scooters. Let it, 
Young people, let me tell you a lesson. Did you tell your son last night scooters. while you're in his dorm, like, yeah. son? He doesn't jack with lime scooters. Stay away from those scooters. Yeah, he's like, he's like, uh, I told him about it, and he said, uh, "Yeah, Dad, don't." Uh, there's like a billion scooters, and you hear about one or two. I said, "Yeah, but I heard about like some forty-year-old drunk woman going to a concert who shattered both of her wrists." The context here being, as I'm pulling into uh, the parking space yesterday, I'm sitting on Lindsay Street. At Jenkins, trying waiting to cross Jenkins to t- pull in to the left at Everest so I can get parked to go to the Lincoln Rally press conference. I'm just sitting there at a red light. Here comes a guy on a scooter Zoom, across the intersection. And I, I look at his face, and I'm like, that's obviously Spencer Rattler. You know, there's, there's no guesswork when it comes to Spencer Rattler. He's got a very famous face. Yes, that's what we'll call it. Very unique <laughs> face. And so I look at him, I'm like, there goes Spencer Rattler on a scooter, huh? Say he's really moving. You know, this is all happening in the in this time span of about a second and a half. Mm-hmm. In my brain, I'm thinking, I should film this. <laughs> no, my phone was plugged in on, down on this. But uh, I, I'm I'm processing this, and I'm like, here comes a dude on a scooter. He's moving really fast. Hey, it's Spencer Rattler. Hey, he is moving really fast. There's a person stepping into this crosswalk. You know, those little the, like the little ramp uh, when the curb goes down to the ramp, so people on bikes and scooters can just eat skates, yeah. Yeah. whatnot, wheelchairs can just easily roll right up well the the opening of that was about four feet and there was a young lady coming down the sidewalk and she was taking up that space and here he comes at a pretty good pace and he's like hmm i'm gonna have to move out of the way or i'm gonna slam this girl and so he kind of steers to the right a little bit and there you know we're in the middle of fall uh, kind of at the end of fall actually and there is a giant pile of leaves that have kind of flowed down into this gutter area and so you can't see where the curb kind of stops and where it starts, you know, the ramp part of the curb. And he steers away from her to, you know, hey, this is an OU recruit who's out there protecting lives, OU player, right? He's out there protecting lives yeah. by not slamming into them with his co- on his scooter. <laughs> and he doesn't see where the curb actually begins and, and ends. And, again, this is all happening in the span of less than two seconds. I'm looking, I'm like, whoa, hey, whoa, look out. Oh, my gosh, whoa. And what happened was he steered to avoid her. He steered into the pile of leaves and hit the curb. The The uh, scooter left the ground. He left the ground. He ca- He's being the supreme five-star athlete that he is, caught himself, you know, a couple of awkward steps. The yeah. scooter is, he's kind of straddling it a little bit, but he hasn't let it go. The scooter's in good shape. He stops, turns around, checks on the lo- young lady. Hops back on the scooter and away he goes. Almost all. But I thought for a second, I thought, there goes OU's five star quarterback future. He's gone. I thought he had I thought he was going to clip the curb completely and he just kind of hit the, the high spot. Yeah. Oh man. But it, you know what? It pays being a five star dual threat athlete like that. That yeah. guy I, that was impressive, is what I'm saying. You you're at the circus. And you see the the trapeze, and you're thinking, "Dear God, he's going to die right before my <laughs> eyes." And then somebody comes up and catches him right at the last second, yeah. and he da da. Like That's nin- what that moment felt like. Lincoln Riley's t- team of ninjas that are like surrounding <laughs> campus at all times. I'm thinking that Lincoln needs to invest in some bubble wrap. Oh yeah, and some uh, interns. Don't worry, don't worry, <laughs> and, fans. And and somebody to. Uh, I mean, I've already seen one wheeled vehicle wreck this year, yeah. and it was horrible, horrifying to see. Yeah, I didn't want to see another one. God, I didn't want yeah. to see another one. No. I didn't want to see the no. uh, roughneck princess get thrown or oh, whatever no. it is. No, but yeah, 
uh, interns to take him where he need from point A to point B. Maybe his own personal Uber driver. Does that be against the NCAA rules? Who gives a damn? <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to know. Hey, NCAA, we're just trying to take care of our student-athletes here. We're just trying to work out for the well-being of our student-athletes by giving them their own personal Uber driver. Hell yeah. Don't worry, OU fans. OU is in good hands with Spencer Rattler because he can take care of himself. Best tweet I got in response to that, which got like 700 likes. It's hilarious how people what people will react to. Yeah. Best one was, too bad there's not a local auto dealership that could – Maybe loan somebody a car to get from point A to point B. <laughs> oh, shout out 2006 offseason. That was a fun time to be mad. I won a national a award for my reporting that offseason. Good job. Good I couldn't job, believe John. it. I, I can still remember that day when my mom was like, Rep Bomar just got kicked off the team. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> How old were you? I was 15. 15. Yeah, that was. <laughs> hey, but Paul Thompson was awesome. He won a Big 12 championship. He's He was the man. He's got a sooner legacy for sure. Yep, I called. Uh, I called somebody that night, and I or that morning, I found out about it. And I called somebody that afternoon, found out what happened in the um, it, the uh, team meeting. Hmm. You know, because it's like, hey, everybody, welcome back. Okay, we're going to attack this season in a good way. Oh, by the way, your quarterback got kicked off the team. Paul Thompson's the starter. And Paul's like, what? And that that doors <laughs> were closed. Paul, he called Paul in and said, well, "Can you do this after playing wide receiver in 2005?" And Paul's like, "I'll do whatever you need me to do." Badass. Badass, right? And yeah. and it turns out they they announced it in the team meeting that night. I got two people who were in the team meeting and told me exactly what happened. Meanwhile Gosh. meanwhile the competition was like, It's gonna be an interesting is it gonna be Joey Halsley? Is it gonna be Keith Nickel? Is it gonna be uh, Paul Thompson, maybe remember, possibly moving back. I was like, Paul Thompson is your next quarterback, Sooner Nation. I remember being excited for Keith Nickel and seeing him play in the one spring game he played in and just going, <laughs> Nope, no. Yeah, send it back to Michigan. Yeah. See you, dude. He got a Hail Mary against uh, Notre Dame, wasn't it? At yeah, Michigan State. caught that Hail Mary. That's right. Yeah. OU DNA everywhere. John, thank you for uh, stopping by. You got it, man. In this neck of the, these neck of the woods. Glad we got to do this in person. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast, a part of the Franchise Podcast Network. Keep giving us reviews, critiques, whatever you want to give us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. Just give us a review, and we'll really appreciate it. Retweet it on Twitter all that fun stuff. But for Mr. John Hoover, this is Brady Trantham. Talk to you guys later. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Catch all of John Hoover's work at thefranchiseok.com. Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover and be sure to catch all of his radio call-ins throughout the week on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.